You're listening to Road to CEO, nothing but in-depth interviews with executives about their journeys as CEO. I'm your host, Will Marlowe, and I hope you enjoy the show. Be quick, be decisive, and let people know that you're, you're there for them. today with Kathleen Smith, the co-CEO of ClearedJobs.net, a company that she's worked with in, in different capacities since 2005. Kathleen has an interesting journey because she served as a consultant for Cleared Jobs. Then she came up through the CMO track, as I understand it, mm-hmm. um, serving as chief marketing officer before taking a co-leadership position as co-CEO uh, uh, fairly recently, I think. is that uh, How mm-hmm. long have you served as co-CEO? It's been about two years. So uh, it was, you know, once you start building up your team and you sort of force yourself out of a job and then you realize that there are bigger jobs that you need to do because um, as my grandfather and my father have told me, you know, it's not necessarily the widget you built, but how you market it and how you service it. So uh, as, as we grew the company, we realized that, you know, making sure that marketing is on par with with finance and sales and operations. So it's it's a really great leadership team. Um, we complement each other well. So I think that it's a unique way of leading a company, but when you organically grow a company, when you are faced with many different challenges, I mean, my stepping into the co-CE role two years ago, I didn't know that we would have a pandemic. I didn't know that we would then be challenged with uh, a significant, you know, hurdles in many different ways, not only from an internal, but an external way. So it was actually good to have a co-CEO at that time. And I'm glad I I was here to take that role on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking more about that and hearing about that because it is it is a uh, a perspective that is is less common. You know, we don't, you know, hear as much about how that division works. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Clear Jobs? You know, what is Clear Jobs? You know, who do you serve? What, what What's that company about? So what's interesting is that no matter how many times I explain it, people already have in their mind what my company is. And I say that we're a recruitment marketing firm. We're a job board and a job fair company. Uh, job boards have been around since 1994, mm-hmm. but people believe that they don't work or that they're you know not part of a talent acquisition pipeline when in actuality all they've done is grown and expanded. I mean LinkedIn is one of the largest job boards that's out there. But we're very specific to a one niche, which is people who have security clearances and who are looking for jobs from cleared facilities employers. So it's a very, very narrow niche. Um, it's something that we have excelled in over the last 20 years because we are veteran owned and we do have that perspective and with any company it's not necessarily the fast grow but it's how you build the relationships in the community so that was the perspective I brought in as a consultant having come from nonprofit marketing and healthcare marketing prior to that sort of said you know, we really need to have our roots in the community. And we were actually able to make some key decisions way back when. And only now are we seeing, you know, the fruits of those labors. So uh-huh. I'm I'm really excited. I was never really someone who thought I would be at one company for more than 10 years. And I can actually say I've been here for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's great. I think it's like, in my opinion, it's always a great sign when you see a company where that can keep employees, you know, they can keep team members. I remember I started my career on Capitol Hill. I was, um, before I became an entrepreneur, I was a political aide and I worked for two members of Congress. And one of the things you learn is when you see members of Congress that can't hold a staff, you know, they don't have people sticking around long term. It's a really bad sign. That 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 congressman is not 
you know, they've got other problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not learn very many management lessons on Capitol Hill, um, <laughs> you know, probably for the best, but that one always stuck with me because I remember, um, uh, and I don't know how much you remember about the, I can't even remember this era of politics, but, you know, remember Anthony Weiner from mm-hmm. New York. Yeah. So anyway, I remember I, I was, you know, I, I, dealt with him kind of early on because I, I just had a very good friend from college who was also on Capitol Hill and, and took a job with Anthony Weiner. And he described the office environment and the, this rapid turnover from all these staff members. In any case, um, I remember thinking, you know, I remember advising him to get out of that office as quickly as he could. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, he eventually he did. But uh, it's just a lesson that always stuck with me. So one thing that I've uh, really been honored to do is that when I was working at a previous organization, I had a phenomenal marketing team. And, you know, when things just click and you have great team members uh, that you complement each other, you know, each other's strengths, you know, each other's weaknesses and you know how to finish each other's sentences. So I've been able to bring that entire team over with me. And I'm just it was it's been thrilled to have my entire entire team from uh, World Wildlife Fund come and be with me here at ClearJumps.net. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, and well, and, and I didn't learn this lesson on Capitol Hill, but I, I, I did eventually learn the importance of having that team, you know, people mm-hmm. you can trust, people you rely on, people you can count on. So that's that sounds out, outstanding. Um, one of the other things that is interesting to me about Clear Jobs is just that such clear focus. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many ways to you know, to serve job seekers. And I feel like, um, you know, that clear focus on cleared personnel and cleared job seekers seems like it would be a tremendous strength. And I was just wondering, is that, is it ever a challenge to keep that focus? Do you ever feel tempted to go beyond cleared jobs or, or is it, or is it just more, you know, is it, is it easy to keep that laser focus? So we were, I mean, having a a single purpose or having a single audience is, um, has pros and cons. So pros is you have a very limited market. Now, of course, you know, we haven't been able, we haven't tapped the entire market. We do have competitors, but we don't have the wide breadth of competitors that a lot of other companies have. Uh, We also get to know the persona of each one of our customers very well and so that not only allows us to develop programs and strategies that serve that customer but we're also able to train people who work and support them so that does make it easier we were tempted um, we did sort of split off and have a parallel company that did work in the cybersecurity community because you know we like many other people saw it grow and we realized that you know that probably was not a good decision on our part, but we gave it a try and we were able to actually continue to grow clear jobs while doing that and grow our segment of the business that we can go into. So, you know, it was, it was yeah. a decision to first start a separate company and then realize that it really was just another offering that we yeah. had within our, you know, customer yeah. base. And that's one thing is always understanding where your customers are going to grow. And, you know, cybersecurity was one area where they're growing. That's now, you know, also growing into Space Force. And so, you know, for the first 10 years, we really weren't seeing the the community expanding. But now all of a sudden we have two different areas where it can grow. And that's what makes my job more exciting because I get to build more strategies. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I. It's it's interesting because there's always that trade-off between a smaller market, but better ability to serve the market because you know it so much better, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and and you know, going going the other direction. And I've my observation has been that it's almost always the the right decision to just keep focusing and keep serving that that area. That you know, I mean, obviously there are certain expansion opportunities that that can make sense but you know uh i've just found that it is you know more often than not when i look at my clients 
you know, the growth that occurs when they're focused on their core audience is the stuff that they really value. And it's really just something that they want to continue. Well, it's also who who are you serving? I mean, yeah. if you're a public company and you have shareholders that you have to respond to as far as dividends are concerned, you're yeah. going to get a lot of pressure to expand into new markets and bring in more revenue versus being a private company, which we are, and being able to say what is the most strategic way for this team uh-huh. to grow and that's you know that's always been sort of yeah. the question do we go public or are we private what who do who are we responsible to and for yeah. um we all the members of the leadership team have all been part of large companies before have you know mm-hmm. many part of the military and that taking care of your own uh, philosophy mm-hmm. is something that's been inherent that we we take care of our own and that's who we're responsible to. So I think that having the single focus has been really great. It does have their challenges. I mean, you know, yeah. when we had the government shut down in 2013, we saw our customers suffering. We were suffering. We had to cut back as well. And we, you know, we had to let go of a lot of people. We've been able to hire them all back, which is great. But, you know, when you are reliant on one customer base, you take the good with the bad. Yeah. 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 I think that, I think that's very relatable. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your personal journey to become CEO? How did that, how did that start? It's funny. Um, I'm a little older than people think I am, which I'm glad I can hide that. But when I grew up as a little girl, I never thought I could be a CEO. Um, I was you know, going to be happy if I could be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Those were the two things that I studied in college. I did have some really great role models. Um, my grandfather started as a, a yellow pages salesperson. Um, and moved to become the CEO of Ruben H. Donnelly, which wow. was the um, parent company of the Yellow Pages and OAG and a variety mm-hmm. of others. So I, I saw his rise. Uh, my father is also, you know, started as a lowly inti- lieutenant in the Navy and uh, built quite a successful company from there. Mm-hmm. And they both inspired me in saying, you know, you have some specific skills. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to study biochem and, you know, go from there. But then uh, sales and marketing really inspired me. And mm-hmm. when you look at sales and marketing back then, you know, there weren't positions like VP of marketing or mm-hmm. VP of sales. It was only a CFO and only a CEO. And you didn't really think about small to medium sized companies. I came from the era of you always worked for a Fortune 100 company and you were going to be a cog rather than someone who made decisions. And, you know, I made one or two changes in my career. Uh, I started in, you know, biochem and law, wanted to be a combo lawyer doctor, and then went into sales and marketing and really loved it. Uh, from there went into nonprofit marketing because I wanted to change the world and take care of animals and children and the environment. And I met some amazing people there, but also realized that, uh, it fine tuned my marketing sense, but it wasn't really the fulfilling kind of work that I wanted. And, but it put me in the right place at the right time to, you know, start working as a consultant in the nonprofit community and, my husband served with uh, several people in the Marines and they were all having beer one night and they were starting to talk about building a company. And uh, they obviously knew the technical component. They knew the sales component, but they didn't know anything about branding and marketing. And I saw a really great opportunity to take, you know, take a chance, take a chance on myself and take a chance on crafting an idea. So everything from the brand to how we represent ourselves in the community basically started with that one conversation over beer and pizza. And I've had 
so many growth opportunities here. Um, many times when I wanted to quit, many times when I wanted to throw my computer against the wall and just walk out and become a barista at Starbucks. Uh, at the same time, I was on the ground floor and that was something that I never thought I would have the opportunity to create, to hire, to train, to coach, to cultivate, to do everything. And, yeah. you know, I learned from my grandfather that it, you know, it's, as I said earlier, it, it can be a widget, but if you don't know how to market and sell it, it's not going to be a company. So that journey of better understanding that it's a partnership between various different op different departments of the company. I remember when I was in sales and there was always this animosity between the front end salespeople and the back office people. And, uh -huh. you know, you, you see it in so many different companies that there's animosity there's just this yeah. battle who's who's more important who's more valuable who makes the final decision and to be on the ground floor and being able to say we all have a voice you know we can't do one part of the company without the other part of the company so being able to temper my voice and saying you know it's mine it's mine you know we've got to do this to okay what are your concerns? What are your challenges? These are my concerns. These are my challenges. Let's create a solution out of the two. And, yeah. and that's probably been, you know, one of the fun parts for me. I, I totally relate to that. I, one of the things that makes is most satisfying for me is thinking through the company culture. And, uh, and so I've run my company for about eight years. I should really do a, a fresh, count of how many years it's really been, but I think it's been about eight years. And so, you know, you think about what you you define your company culture to a certain extent, and then you have to execute on it. You know, you have to live up to it and that, which is not always easy, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, def and defining it is the first step, you know, it, it, it is, you know, I'm a big believer in being very deliberate about what you, how you want to treat people, how you want others to, to be treated at your company. And, mm -hmm. you know, so, so starting that off was, you know, it, for me anyway, was the right first step. And then at one point things got off track, you know, we had certain team members who maybe weren't aligned with the culture and we had to change. We had to, mm -hmm. you know, we had to get the company back to where it was supposed to be from a culture perspective. And, you know, that is a quality of life issue, in my opinion, you know, really. Yeah. Well, it is. But what's funny is you have to decide what that, what those key components. I mean, there was one or two decisions that we made way back when, yeah. and they just felt like the right decision, but they actually were short term, mm -hmm. very wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. And we were in for the long game. So we made some decisions. And what's really nice is now we just constantly are able to say, let's come back to that one question. Are we this or are we this? Mm -hmm. And I know not a lot of companies don't do that. And we are able to do that. We're able to say, we are this, we are not this. Yeah. Um, you know, there's specific customer bases that our competitors sell to that we don't. Right. And it's, it's a defining issue for our culture. It's also a defining issue for the way that we treat certain, treat both customer base, both job seekers and employers. So I'm grateful that we made that decision over 15 years ago. And it's also a divining rod that we come back to time and time again. You know, there's always pushback at one time or another to change yeah. that decision. And I was like, no, that's, that's a defining principle of our company. So, okay. So I want to, I want to push more on that, on that, that topic for a moment. So, cause, cause one of the things I like to talk about is what, what is something that you can point to that was a particularly challenging decision that, that as a company you had to make, or that you had to, you know, from a strategic perspective, and it, it sounds like you're, you're referring to a strategic decision that you made that, you know, could have gone another way. And can you speak more about the details of that? Or is that, is that a confidential topic? I can dance around it. How's okay. that? Right. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. So um, you always have 
a choice of the kinds of customers you're going to have. Yeah. And some customers will have bigger pockets than others. But the goals of those customers may not always be in line yeah. with your goals or how you treat your, you know, how we treat job seekers. So we made a decision that there was one customer base we were not going to work with. I see. And we, all of our competitors do work with them. And we we just sort of looked down our business line and we said, no, all of our competitors were working with that one customer base years ago and they got some really great short-term revenue, you know, spikes. Yeah. And they continue to see that. And that's not how I've trained our teams to work with the customers and if I did work with that new customer base we would have to change a lot of things within our company so again it's back to the defining principle and you know it's that's one of those questions that you always have to ask yourself yeah. is what is the profile of the customer that I want to work with yeah um, and people think that they need to work with everyone that's going to pay them for the service but you know just like when you walk into a restaurant and they have a sign that says you know we have the right to refuse to serve anyone yeah. you do you know if you have a specific customer base that is going to challenge you to lower your your standards lower your yeah. ethics you know you really have to decide why you're in business so yeah. I'm, I'm glad we made that decision and we, we do get pushback on it from time to time. And it's just, it's just a, a better way for our company to operate. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I can, I can relate to that. I, when I was a uh, first time entrepreneur, um, I started a software company that served higher education and higher education is a very demanding industry. At the time, this was years ago, and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I'm, it was a wonderful wonderful experience, um, uh, but it was my first experience in, in business. And one of the things that I learned the hard way was, you know, you, you take on a particular client and they'd want you to customize the software. And as a brand new entrepreneur, you want to say yes. You know, you want to, you know, they're paying you. You don't have much money. Uh, mm -hmm. or maybe you don't have any money and you, and so, and so it seems like a very easy decision to just say, of course, yeah, we'll do this. But, but the fact of the matter is, is in software, which I know is a little different than, than, mm -hmm. than what you and I are both doing right now. But, you know, with software, you need a vision for what that software is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you want that software to, to live up to that vision, you can't, derail your roadmap every time somebody has a unique or specific request. Uh, but it's difficult to do when, when, you know, the customer is, it has deep pockets and wants, wants it the way they want it. But I remember that with, with my first company, that was, may have been one of, you know, may have been the key initial lesson learned was, it, you know, to, to say no on some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I, as you said, it's, it's so hard when, you're in the beginning stages, you want to say yes to everyone and you don't want to turn anything down. You don't want to be that person that says no, but you yeah. have to understand how many resources you have as a company and how much resource you have as a person, yeah. because, you know, we could all, and many of us do work 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. And, and then there's absolutely nothing left. And then you, you end up, shortchanging yourself and shortchanging your company and your customers and then what are you doing it for so yeah now we i i remember the days of of working 80 hours 90 yeah. hours and you know traveling a lot and the th all the sacrifices that we were all told we had to make to order to have a business and i wasn't going to do that for the rest of my life so yeah i'm glad we've made some key decisions yeah yeah, yeah, I am too. I am too. Um, okay, so as we, so another question I wanted to ask was, um, do you have a most important metric in business that you like to look at? Do you, you know, is there something that you track that you feel like this is this is that one thing that I need to keep my eye on above all others? My number, well, 
when I was coming up through marketing, it was always interesting that, you know, you had those metrics, you had open yeah. rates, click through rates. You know, I was, I started here before social media took off. So, you know, it was like followers and impressions yeah. and all of that. And I was like, okay, you know, now we've, now we've gotten down to engagements and yeah. with our market, as far as job seekers are concerned, you know, I could be excited that I have a thousand views or 2000 views on you know a video like this, but if I don't have the conversion into yeah. someone who signed up to my site. So, you know, on a job seeker standpoint, it's conversions to, you know, specific conversions. How many yeah. times do we have job seekers convert into having a profile on our yeah. site from a business standpoint, we always look at our, for me, it's, you know, our renewal rate. I, you know, yes, having new sales is great, but have we met their needs? Are we continuing yeah. to meet their needs? So I always look at the yeah. renewal rate. And then after that, it's the growth. So how much growth have we had year over year? And yeah. what do we need to do to grow sustainably? I mean, there have been yeah. times when we've grown and but we haven't had the infrastructure in place to support it. So that's always you know, people yeah. are looking at. Uh, growth statistics, but it's yeah. to me, it's always is it sustainable growth. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I um, I know, and and from the conversations that I have with CEOs, I found that kind of like you, um, CEOs are often able to really, you know, boil things down into a handful of metrics that really do, you know, they're leading indicators. They're you know they're you know they they essentially just kind of project forward to, mm -hmm. you know, what they're trying to achieve. So, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, for me, it is, it is all about, um, you know, what I really care about is, is current customer satisfaction levels. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's difficult to measure this one exactly, but, um, uh, and now I'm, I'm actually blanking on the name of the, of the metric, but the, the, I, the, 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 the net promoter score, mm -hmm. um, you know, where it's just a negative one, a zero or a positive one, you know, negative one is somebody does not want to recommend, would never recommend you to, mm -hmm. to appear, uh, a neutral zero would be people who, you know, they're, they're satisfied, but they probably wouldn't recommend you. Um, and a positive one is somebody who'd be happy to to recommend you and wants to to find people to to recommend doing business with you and you know that to me is you know if that if that metric is always in the positive then the growth will be there the you know the the employee retention for me would be there you know there's a lot of you know that to me is even though it's difficult to measure it it is it is probably the most important one from my end Another one that's, you know, hard for us to quantify, but it's always sort of a nice to have in the back of your head is there's a lot of turnover in our industry mm -hmm. or there's a lot of people who move to other positions. So if we have someone who works at one government contractor and mm -hmm. then moves to another and buys our services there, yeah. One, it's growth. It's but it's continued customer retention. You know, the customer just yes. has you know a new team. So that's always we don't really have a metric with that. But it's, yeah. it's nice to see because it's it's hard because sometimes someone will be a recruiter at one company yeah. and then at a smaller company they'll become the director of recruiting. What we do, I mean, one of the things that I've done is. I've looked at the industry and there wasn't um, a lot in the way of best practices. So mm -hmm. with other recruiters in the industry, we started an organization called Recruit DC oh, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. And being able to offer that opportunity to my customers to learn best practices, yeah. what was nice is customers that we have supported, customers that we've helped, we've um, given them strategies to grow their talent pipelines, and then they become better professionals. They become, you know, there's that company um, in this area called, or former company called Sims that said, you know, an educated customer, educated consumer is our best customer. Mm -hmm. So training and supporting our customers as they grow within their career and then having them come back and saying, yeah, I, I need that yeah. professional support. So yeah, that's, 
as I said, that's one of those metrics that I'm like, oh, got another one. Yay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny you should say that because I, I completely agree. And I, but I never thought about that. I never thought about how that that could be a metric, maybe. That, I mean, I love it where when I grow because somebody moves, they you know they bring us with them. Um, you know, yeah, that that is kind of a related metric to the to the net promoter score. Um, I, you know, I always celebrate it when it happens, but I never thought about it as a as a, a metric that we could be uh, kind of thinking about more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it's fantastic, you know. And and actually, every now and then I have calculated how much revenue and, and how many clients currently are the result of that. I have not done that recently, but it would be fairly significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no matter what, you know, if it's restaurants, if it's, you know, anything referral business, you know, people yeah. continue on. So we, you know, in marketing, we know, you know, it's one-to-one marketing is the most, you know, effective yeah. kind referral is the most effective it doesn't matter what industry or line of business you're in. It's always, always the best metric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's it like being a co-CEO? Uh, it's sometimes a great partnership and other times it's a battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one. I'm glad we are, we're our co-CEOs because it allows us both to have quality of life. I mean, mm-hmm. if one of us had to shoulder it all, I mean, anyone who is a CEO yeah. and shoulders both parts, I think both parts of the company get better attention and get better um, support. Uh, there used to be the battle over budget. And once we were able to yeah. sort of really see it was marketing in this industry really didn't really grow until about eight, nine years ago. And then its influence on buying decisions and job secret decisions, really we've, we've watched that grow considerably to the point that we do have a seat at the table. So before it was not having a seat at the table, it was more of being a back office department. And I think that my you know, yelling and screaming and jumping and down and saying, we are important, we are important because you know I remember jumping and screaming and doing that in you know large organizations yeah everyone everyone thought marketing was uh not valuable it yeah. was more of the icing on the cake it wasn't necessarily something that added to the bottom line and only yeah. took away from the bottom line yeah but what's also nice is having clear delineation of staff resources yeah. and goals but knowing that our goals are parallel are complemented by goals on the other side. So sales needs specific metrics and they need specific yeah. tools. You know, we need specific feedback and tools and resources. So being able to, yeah. you know, sit down, we have um, a leadership call that happens once a week while well, we started. Okay. So with the pandemic, you know, we, I finally realized that, Sometimes when you're a smaller company, you don't have formalized decision-making processes. You just yeah. sort of like have those water cooler conversations. And I think one of the things that really is, I, I just call them silver linings of the pandemic is I really, I just said, look, we, we need to have, you know, leadership, regular leadership meetings where we discuss everything. Yeah. And I used to be, well, I still am, because I'm here on the webinar with you, uh, the face of the company. But with the pandemic, we I wasn't traveling. I yeah. wasn't out. So everyone was used to me being out. Yeah. They weren't used to me being part of decision-making processes. I, you know, sometimes... Yeah. Uh, you know, they would just sort of hear, oh, Kathleen's presenting here, she's presenting there, and she's talking to these people, and we'll see the benefit of that in six months. And I really was able to turn sort of that community building internally to the company, um, setting sort of the tone of how we talk to our customers and how we talk to yeah. each other. And um, some small things that I've done along the way. I, every Friday afternoon, I write an inspirational message. 
And it's something that I know people talk about doing every now and then, but I made a commitment to do it every single Friday. Uh, today is the 53rd one that I've written. So, um, you know, and it's, it's all about setting the tone of self-care. Who do we take awesome. care of? What is, what is everyone's mental health like? It's okay not to have a good mental health day. Um, so I think, you know, the pandemic really gave us an opportunity to grow into these different roles. There was a lot more operations that needed to be done. And, you know, my co-CEO was able to really focus on that rather than needing to focus on staff care and um, marketing. I think that's awesome. I, I, so I think that's, it's also kind of inspiring for me. I, I think that I, I bet that that does have those, those weekly messages that you put out. I bet that, that that does have a very positive impact on morale and, and encouragement. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, I will say it's something not specifically the notes, but be providing that kind of guidance to my team is something I think about and I do make an effort to do, but I can see a huge advantage to committing to, to creating a structure like that mm -hmm. where you, you know, where you're able to, to put it in front of you, you in a tangible way. It's, you know, it, every single week when I would think about it, it would be, you know, what was, I would have an inspiration yeah. and then, you know, craft a message around that. And they weren't always serious. You know, um, some of them were fun. Some, you know, Monty Python quotes, or, uh, I, I did a David Hasselhoff cameo once, which, you know, it's really hard when you have a team that's everywhere from 70 years old down to 22, how do you find, a uh, star that's going to meet everyone's needs thankfully david was was something that <laughs> sort of across every board very cool um but you know some of it's fun some of it's serious some you know in the beginning it literally was we made it through week one and this is what we accomplished week yeah. one and then we've made it through week two and we've made it through month one and we've made it through month two so you know let's I think like all of us during the pandemic, it was, okay, what do I need to do to make through the end yeah. of the day? Because um, I found that in sort of the disaster situation that we were in, in the beginning, it was, you know, we can't, we can't forecast. Yeah. We, we just have to forecast to the end of the day, the end of the week. Yeah. Things were changing too fast. We had to come up with, okay, what is our decision matrix on some of our events? I mean, you know, 20, 25% of our business is career events and yeah, they weren't happening. Um, right. We had partners and conferences that we were working with and they were all up in the air as to what are we doing? What are we not doing? Um, it was really hard for my team and I, because we are so used to planning a year out yeah. and all of a sudden we couldn't plan and we didn't realize what that was doing to us internally. You know, we, yeah. we didn't have structure. So a lot of the messages were just, we made it, we made it. Yeah. Then when we made it through the first three months, we could sort of sit back and like, okay, we're in a rhythm now Yeah. Um, and have some fun. Uh, I even did them on my vacation. I did them when I was traveling. Um, thank goodness for Google schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write them every Friday. I sometimes wrote them on Monday, but uh, they, they definitely went out. So it's great. Don't tell them that. <laughs> I, that's great. And you know, it's, it's interesting because so my company is, is virtual. I have, um, and so is ours. Okay. So, okay. So I was going to, okay. So, so that's interesting. So, so you really were able to then proactively kind of make, you, you started doing those weekly messages in response to COVID. Is that right? Right. So okay, it so was I more of, um, a lot of uncertainty. So we, yeah. we, we've been, you know, a, a virtual company the entire time. Um, we do have in-person events, but yeah. you know, the, the, the rest of the company is, you know, we're nationwide, actually. Actually, we're global right now wow. um, since we have several military spouses who are deployed with their um, veteran hus or with their military husbands and wives. Um, so it's 
we were actually able to help our customers. We yeah. actually, since so many of our customers were used to going into an office, we ended up being like, okay, well, this is how you uh, set aside your home office. This is how you set aside great. time for working. Yes, we have kids at home too. This is what we do. So we had so many new conversations to have. Um, we had so many different structures that, you know, like our schedule was completely off. And the, but the messages were just a way to say, you know, we're, we're all not together, yeah. but we really are. And this is how we can you know, make it through another weekend. It was also, I think my first message, I, I remember very clearly, which was people were in a state of chaos. They yeah, were, that's right. you know, we had all closed down. We didn't know what tomorrow would bring. Yeah. We, um, everyone had their kids coming home from college or coming home from school. And I didn't want people to spend the entire weekend thinking about that and thinking about what work was going to be like. And I said, I want you off the computers. I want you taking care of yourself, taking care of family and some decisions will be made on Monday and we will communicate those to you right away. So you will have a definitive answer on some, yeah. some major questions right now. I want you to go take care of yourself and your family. So I, that's part of the mental health message. Yeah. I didn't want people working the weekends. Now there's a few people that I know you work with who have a tendency to work on the weekends and I know they know who they are, but anyway, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Some things just can't be stopped. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that when they worked for me in another organization. So I know that that's the way they work. Yeah. I, well, I'm even more impressed though by, by that response because I, so I, as a virtual, as the CEO of a virtual company, one of my challenges was with COVID. So, so we did need to respond to COVID. COVID was a, presented an immense challenge to us from a business perspective because we had different clients that were impacted in different ways. And so it was a big challenge to respond. Um, however, as a company that had about 10 years or so of experience um, working remotely, there were a lot of things that were not changes. You know, we were, we, you know, we were working and, and I should say we, we, we do have office space in, in Europe. So we've got an office in Europe with, for one team and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and people report to that every day, not, not currently, but for them, it was a change to go from the office space to working from home in the U S um, the team here has always been remote. And so including myself. Um, and so it, you know, it, there were some things where I had to kind of remind myself, like things have changed, even though for me personally, and for, you know, for a number of other team members, it, you know, we're still doing zoom calls. We're still doing, you know, we're still kind of having the normal cadence of meetings, um, and so, so in any case, that all, that's all to say that I'm even more impressed by that, that answer because you, you know, cause I, I, you know, I wish I had thought to do something similar of setting, sending out that kind of a, a motivational message on a weekly basis. And do you think you'll keep that up by the way, through and as we keep moving <laughs> forward? <laughs> that's been a, that's been a very interesting question. Um, I am committed to do it for the next year. Um, and I have had someone tease me and say that, you know, I could just you know, regurgitate previous <laughs> messages and I'm not going to do that. Your, your, team uh, is too, your team is too long-term though. They'll all, they'll all know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that when you are a CEO of a virtual company, you don't yeah. have that management by walking around that yeah. you know, was That's right. talked about in all of the um, business journals way back when. And you can have Zoom calls and you can have uh, check-ins, but sometimes just letting your team members know that it's okay and that I, you know, I understand. I think, you know, my message today is that I've let some of my self-care routines uh, slip. And because of that, I put yeah. on a little bit of weight, which I was very proud of myself for keeping all my, you know, keeping weight gain down while the pandemic was going on as I watched everyone else sitting in front of their computers yeah. and eating. Yeah. Um, 
but being vulnerable, uh, being honest and saying, you know, it's okay. We're in this together because, you know, when we do, when we do zoom calls and we do the check-in calls, yeah. it's really about business. Yeah. We have chit chat in the beginning, but there's nothing that's clearly just, how are you doing? Yeah. And a lot of people you find succeed in a virtual environment because they're very introverted and they don't yeah. like being put on the spot on how they feel. Yeah. And the reason I know that works here is the follow-up messages. You know, I don't expect to hear back from anyone that, you know, they read the message. Um, but the number of mm. staff members who have said, you know, that really hit home this week. I really needed that's it. Great. Thank you. And, you know, that's when I start tearing up. I'm like, okay, I can't run and give them a hug, yeah. but I can at least let them know that I have, I have my moments when I'm, yeah. when I'm hurting and when I'm alone and, and we're, and I'm still there and I can still understand what they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's powerful. Yeah. So, um, I didn't mean to interrupt. Were you? No. Well, I was. It was. It was interesting when I sent my fifty-second um, message last Friday. Um, someone asked me, uh, "How did I come up with the idea of doing it?" And it was uh, one of my team, and I blame him. <laughs> one of my team said, "Something's got to be done." And I was like, okay, I've got to figure out what that something is. <laughs> yeah. And when I worked at American Red Cross, it was, uh, I happened to be there during one of their largest disasters at that time. And the message for communication during a disaster was be quick, be yeah. decisive, and let people know that you're, you're there for them. And so I may not have enjoyed my years at American Red Cross, but that's a whole nother story. I did appreciate that training of yeah. how you handle a disaster and how you handle yeah. your, your team during a disaster. Yeah. Well, so that's a, a good segue into my, uh, my, uh, one of my last questions, which is, is there anything you wish you knew earlier or quicker as CEO? Like, is there any, are there any lessons that you kind of, um, you know, the things that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? Um, yeah, that's a hard <laughs> one. Um, it is a tough one. It is a tough one because as I said, you know, I was, I wasn't raised that yeah. I could be a CEO. Um, when I got my MBA, it was still, well, your marketing, marketing will never be a CEO. Um, yeah. I always looked at myself as being part of a large organization, which I pretty much had been until yeah. you know, two years before being here. So I never thought I would be, and, and even, um, in the beginning years of being with the company, I was just sort of like, well, okay, I, I will be a strong force. I'm yeah. hard to sort of tell to be quiet. Um, and then I think as marketing became more and more important in yeah. our world, as far as purchases for anything, yeah. uh, I was able to create more of that role. Yeah. What I, I think the everyone thinks that being a CEO is glamorous and that it's fame and such it's very lonely i mean i'm really glad that i have a co-ceo because we can actually share yeah um those challenges when it is lonely at the top um people see me speaking they see me doing uh things out in the community but i'm an introvert yeah. and there are very few women ceos that um will actually talk with each other. So mm -hmm. that's always, that's always a hard one. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I don't want to go down that track. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, I, my, my co-CEO is a man and, and I'm, I'm very pleased with sort of that dynamic. Um, I've had a real hard time making sure that I can work with other powerful women. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, having the right dynamic is, is so essential on a leadership team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in all kinds of ways. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I really appreciate you being on on the show today. Um, are there any topics that we didn't cover that you that you wanna you wanna talk about? Anything clear jobs is is up to that we wanna uh, you know we wanna reference or anything? Uh, yeah. How can people how can people reach out or how can people get in touch and who who should know about it? So if you're a employer who's working in the DOD Intel space, you're definitely going to want to have your recruiting teams contact us. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, our name is our web address, so just clearjobs.net. Right. Uh, we're always big in supporting transitioning military, so we give back to the community in many different ways. So you'll find most of my staff is out in the community, making sure that veterans know the best way to find their jobs after wow. they've transitioned out of the military. Um, this evening, I'm you know, one of the reasons I'm sort of dressed up is I'm part of the Ally of the Year Awards, which is mm -hmm. one of the many uh, award programs that I'm part of. So you'll definitely see clear jobs out as we always are out. And we just, are very thankful that we're still here after 20 years. <laughs> it's something to be thankful for, and it's also something to be proud of. I mean, it's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, I sort of wonder, wow, it's been 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I'm, I'm amazed that when I think about how long my company is uh, has been around as well and you know it certainly hasn't hasn't made it 20 years yet but um, I'm, I'm proud of where we've come and you know eight years or so is uh, uh, you know I, I didn't really think of that I didn't when I started the company I wasn't thinking about any particular length of time but I know when I would hear about a company that was approaching 10 years I would think wow that's that's pretty amazing and uh, and then I just the other day I was realizing well I'm gonna be at the 10 year mark before before I know it. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, well, I really appreciate the time that you took with me today. Well, thanks so much. Uh, this has been wonderful. Look forward to, to following more success with cleared jobs. Thank you so much. Take